1: Did you know that you can explore the foundations of classical education with a dynamic online community? A one-year program, the Circe Atrium explores the foundations of Christian classical education with online classes and discussions. The atrium now features five courses. Participants can choose one course or any combination. These courses include Heidi White on classical pedagogy, Andrew Kern on classical rhetoric, Matt Bianco on Plato's Republic, and Wes Callahan on the Divine Comedy or the Iliad. Through exclusive live webinars and online discussion, the Atrium offers a forum for contemplation and collaboration, a place to linger and take pleasure in the depths of the Christian classical tradition alongside like minded fellow educators. We provide the platform, you bring the desire for wisdom and virtue. Together, we make the community. To learn more, head over to slash atrium.
2: Welcome back to the Weight of Fatherhood podcast. This is your host, Brian Phillips. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Uh, Also joining me today is Christopher Wiley. He is a senior contributor to the Imaginative Conservative, a pastor in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, he's written both fiction and nonfiction alike. Some nonfiction writings appearing in Touchstone magazine, Relevant magazine, and Modern Reformation. And his books include The Purloined Boy, which was a book one of The Weirdling Cycle, Man of the House, which we'll talk about a little bit in this episode, and The Household in the War for the Cosmos, which is the focal point of the episode today. So looking forward to this. Christopher, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks a lot, Brian. I'm glad to be here. As I mentioned, you've, you've written both fiction and nonfiction, and your, your nonfiction so far has, has focused on family life predominantly, right? Uh, so why has that been a, a focal point for your writing so far? Well, I think there's a,
3: a range of reasons. One you know, one of those reasons is personal. I, I came from a broken home. That's not news. I mean, lots of people do these days, but it gave me something to think about. And uh, when I became a father, first of all, of course, a husband, then a father, Um, I was interested in thinking about what it meant to be those things. (laughs) So that's, that's what prompted it. But uh, you know, more broadly um, you know, there's a obviously uh, sort of a cultural uh, tsunami that we're, you know, experiencing right now with regard to a kind of a a washing away of traditional understandings of, of households and families. And uh, so there's a lot of question begging in when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I wanted to, uh, kind of get back to, I guess you could say the sources. I, I, if you, if, you, if uh, I can put it that way with regard to what are the things that help to bring about our, our traditional understanding of households and families and were they really passe or, you know, uh, moribund or oppressive or, you know, how, you know, how that all runs. There's a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people who say that that's the case, but don't actually have any knowledge about what the, the sources were that had informed our understanding in the first place. So that played a big role. Um, and then the more I dug into it, the more I saw how rich the sources were and just how little people knew about them. And so that went a long way toward encourage me you know, to pursue this line of thought. And then I had a lot of people who. I you know I spoke to about these things and and people whose opinions I I respected and they all encouraged me to just kind of go for it so that's that's a story
2: yeah now uh, I believe your your first book on the family was published uh, or family related matters anyway it was in in 2017 um, man of the house right uh, yeah so tell us a bit about that work and um, and your motivation behind that. Well, there are a couple of things. One,
3: um, it's my conviction that masculine virtues uh, traditionally understood, you know, virtues uh, uh, as they are, you know, uh, attributed to masculinity, uh, find their expression within uh, productive uh, social institutions, not just merely, you know, male psychology or biology, although those things matter and they're important. But But most of the stuff that I saw was... Uh, addressing masculinity through those lenses. You know, this is the way men are sort of constituted psychologically, or this is, you know, uh, these are the interests that men have. And uh, I wanted to uh, look at things from within the framework of social institutions. Uh, I've got a background in philosophy. Aristotle has always been an important influence for me. And uh, so beginning with him, I, I, you know, leapt into the um, sort of the understanding that uh, you know the ancients had with regard to households, and before long I found Xenophon's Oikonomias and you know his uh, treatment of households. Uh, you know, Xenophon was a like Plato; he wrote uh, Socratic dialogues, and in uh, we basically have kind of a handbook in the first century, or actually I think it was third or fourth century BC he wrote that. Um, for, you know, managing households. That's what the title gets at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, it was a bestseller. If you could say that And <laughs> those days, if they had Barnes and Nobles, it would have been right in the self-help section, right at the front, you know, like on the end, you know, uh, Cicero translated it. So it was broadly distributed. Um, everybody knew about it. And I, and I think, uh, it, it, uh, wasn't, you know, something that, uh, wasn't an original work in the sense that uh, Xenophon dreamed all this stuff up. He was an observer um, and he was more or less uh, encapsulating or or sort of restating kind of conventional wisdom about how households functioned and and so forth. So that, along with uh, reflections, uh, particularly on the New Testament household codes and some other people who had been influential for me, you know, people like Alan C. Carlson or Christopher Lash. Mm-hmm. who had talked a lot about households and 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 the functional aspects or the function the work that households once performed all of that contributed to writing that book so no. it's essentially Xenophon's Oikonomikos and the New Testament kind of mashed up in sort of a, a, you know my attempt to to bring the classical understanding of the household into the into our time
2: yeah and that's that's similar to your more recent Work, which was published in 2019, um, the household in the war for the cosmos, and that that particular work started as a conference talk, right? And you were, you were encouraged to to turn it into a book or develop it into a book by some pretty big names, right?
3: Yeah, Nancy Piercy and Tony Esselin and uh, Glenn
2: Stanton, and uh,
3: there were a bunch of people who were at the conference. I was honored to be, uh, a, you know, a speaker there. It was the Touchstone Conference. I think it's 2018, maybe it was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so I, I gave that address, and that 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 crowd was a really um, mixed bunch. I mean, you had Roman Catholics, Orthodox guys, you know, lots of Protestants, mostly uh, Protestants in a Reformed tradition. Right. But it was a great mashup. The talk went over really well, and so when Canon came to me and said, "Hey, we'd like you to write a book," kind of a follow-up, "A Man in the House," I said, "Well, how about if I use this—the uh, yeah. sort of the, the talk—and succeed for the book?"
2: Yeah. So let's let's dive into that work in particular a little bit more. Now, the the full full title and subtitle: "The The Household in the War for the Cosmos," and then subtitle: "Recovering a, a Christian Vision for the Family." When I first saw that. The title and subtitle, uh, which was given to me, as I mentioned to you earlier anyway, uh, before we started recording that I got it as a review copy um, at an ACCS conference. I was expecting sort of a standard book on the family. But uh, when I started reading it, you take a a decidedly different uh, approach. You start with a discussion of piety. And I thought that was, that sort of jumped out at me immediately. Uh, So, so tell us why piety is so important in thinking about the family. Well, uh, when you have the, you know, the ancient understanding of piety,
3: uh, you realize that it was essentially the kind of the sort of the, the glue that held society together at every level in the ancient world for Christians as well as, you know, pagans. So, the Greek term would be Eusebio, uh, meaning the same thing. Essentially, uh, due regard to those who who have been your benefactors. So uh, parents, of course, you owe them a great deal. And so you owe them, you know, respect, affection, due, you know, and, and honor uh, and obedience. And the same thing is true with civic leaders and even upward, you know, as you climb the ladder up to the gods for, the, for you know, uh, pagans, but for Christians, obviously the one true God. But um, when you understand piety in that and sort of in the way the ancients did as, as duty, then uh, it very clearly applies not just strictly to God, but to all human authorities and um, beginning with with the household. And, uh, you know, that's not the way people generally think of piety today, if they even use the term, if, you know, today, most people would substitute, you know, a personal relationship with Jesus, you know, for po- what, you know, maybe right. Christians would have referred to as piety 100, 200 years ago. Right. But anyway, so that's, that's why I started
2: there. And that's, I guess that's another example of what we see with a lot of ideas um, that when they become an ism. Right. That that's when it really becomes a problem, right? It changes the nature okay. of the thing, you know. Um, and so pietism is is very different than than piety itself. And in, in the original understanding, anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah, let me let me just follow up on that, because sure. it's a great, great point, which to make a
3: contrast. Pietism is almost entirely inward. You know, piety uh, in the ancient world was largely outward. It was a social virtue,
2: not strictly a sort of uh, sort of inner virtue. Right. Right now. And you've you've alluded to this um, already, but I'd like for you to sort of unpack this a little bit more. You're you're casting a Christian vision for the family. That's the sort of the subtitle of, of this work, um, but with a lot of input from, I guess, what we could call the wise pagans. Right. Um, and you did that in Man of the House and in. The household and the war for the cosmos. So what role do, do their works and their ideas play in this book in particular?
3: Well, uh, a supportive role, but I think uh, essentially, a, you know, a very fundamental role. I think, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, notes that marriage, for example, is something held in honor by all. So this is not exclusively a Christian or J- Jewish practice. <laughs> and so with common grace, you know, when we think about common grace, often in the Reformed tradition, we think of it strictly in terms of restraint, you know, holding back evil. But I think that there's a positive role as well. I think that sometimes, you know, people refer to the natural law to talk about the more positive aspects of, of you know, sort of a natural theology, I suppose you could refer to it as but I, but what what we see with uh, you know both Christians and pagans in the in the first century is that they were on the same page about a lot of stuff, and they both would be appalled at the current state of affairs <laughs> in our in our world today. so when I when I look at the you know the ancients uh, people as I noted like Aristotle or Xenophon, I, I I'm doing so with a critical eye, No, you know, acknowledging that there are things that they don't know, but there are things that they knew that uh, early Christians agreed with. So, you know, if you had handed the Apostle Paul and Seneca copies of, of Oikonomikos, the only places that they they would probably disagree were would be with relationship to who's on top in terms of the cosmic ladder. <laughs> in terms of, you know, beneath that, there would be a lot of agreement. So, with those things in mind, you know, I, I I was able to work with those sources, you know, in household and work of the cosmos. I do I do a lot with uh, Virgil's Aeneid and and contrast that uh, you know that epic with a different epic, the Bible, and in particular the household of Abraham. But but anyway, so there's a lot to work with, and and because I come at it come at things with that angle of vision, I I'm able to you know I'm not I'm not like a, proposing uh, to anyone that I have some unique insight I might I think of myself more as a kind of a an archaeologist of ideas uh, somebody's kind of bringing forward to our world today wisdom that was taken for granted once upon a time
2: yeah yeah and it's a a, a wonderful job um, in a sense um, be careful the term I use here but sort of synthesizing that and and, and showing, the wisdom and how it parallels and, um, you know, how we can benefit from both. And of course, you know, coming from a classical education context, I mean, that's something that we, we strive to do, uh, regularly, but, um, it was, it was particularly fascinating seeing you do that in relation to the household and, and those duties and responsibilities there. Now, you're also a pastor. Um, I, I am as well. Uh, and I, so I, I know that your, your desire, as mine would be, is to see the, the things that you've written about put into practice, right? Uh, to see marriages improve, uh, to see parent-child relationships strengthened, um, to see households uh, built up and congregations strengthened. Um, so what advice, uh, given how, how much time and energy you've invested into um, thinking about the household and, and the duties that we have to one another in our households, what advice uh, would you give to, uh, particularly to fathers and husbands who, who are listening, um, where should they start uh, in strengthening their own household? So taking this from the big picture down to the individual responsibilities. Right,
3: well, I think um, the, the two books you mentioned, Man of the House is kind of more the bottom up book and it's uh, dealing with uh, you know, the, the practices, the virtues the, um, that, Uh, young man. The the original title of the book was a young man's guide to building a house, but the editor thought that was too blasé. He wanted something kind of catch people's attention and maybe raise their, their hackles. (laughs) 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 So I said, well, how how about man of the house? And he said, perfect. That'll drive the uh, certain people crazy. And the people who want to read the book will, will pick it up. So that that's kind of a a ground up approach where I talk about various uh, things that a, that a father, and a husband as head of house need to be thinking about, you know, things like justice. Well, if, well let, let me just play that out a little bit. You know, when, when you talk about households as institutions, first of all, in our, in our culture, the word institution is a bad word. You know, it's like a, something we're we're not supposed to be uh, celebrating. It's uh, where it's all about relationships and psychology for us, but uh, an institution is something that is instituted And because it's instituted, it provides us with a framework within which to relate to other people. And so within that framework, a head of house has to be aware of certain things. And if it's an institution that's actually doing something productive, you've gotta have certain things. One of those things is justice. So how does a father secure justice in a household? We'd like to say, well, love just is all you need. (laughs) Well, no, (laughs) you need justice too. You need to be now maybe a better way to put it, or maybe a way that's more palatable is you could talk about fairness, Mm -hmm. but, but fairness is uh, kind of a watered down way of talking about justice. So I stuck with the word justice. So, you know, that's one area where I would encourage men to, you know, to sort of uh, think about themselves within the framework of the institution as the party who is uh, responsible for executing justice in the household. Kind of like Harry Truman, the buck stops here. Doesn't mean your wife doesn't uh, execute justice or isn't concerned about it, but there is a kind of a bottom line responsibility that someone has to, to uh, shoulder right. to, to execute justice. So now what does that look like? And so that kind of gives you an example of how I go about kind of the, the ground up approach and a man of the house. Uh, Household in the World for the Cosmos is intended to place the household within a larger uh, sort of metaphysical structure and um, show how the household relates to the eschaton, for example, particularly as uh, Paul is addressing the subject in Ephesians. Uh, We see in marriage and the one flesh union of a man and wife a a mystery, Paul tells us. And you could you could tell as he's addressing the subject that he almost wants to sort of get away from practical matters and just get into the mystery itself. But then he says, Oh, and by the way, let's get back on point, (laughs) you know, a husband should love his wife and a wife should respect her husband. But what you have there is a picture of the end of the world, um, you know, in the relationship of a husband and wife, Christ and the church. And so what I tell people, uh, young, you know, couples that I'm counseling in premarital counseling is that, you know, you're, you're, your household tells a story, either the story is about you or it's about the meaning of the world. <laughs> so if it's about the meaning of the world, then you have some roles to play. Right. If it's just about you, then it's all about negotiating and trying to get what you want, uh, you know, and well, giving the other person what they want without costing you too much and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, it's hard to boil all those things down into a, you know, 20, 30 minute podcast, but I, I wanted to <laughs> give you an opportunity to talk about this because I, I love the book. Um, and I, uh, I, I hope it gains a far, um, uh, an even bigger readership. Um, so make sure to get a copy of the household in the war from, for the cosmos. Uh, by C.R. Wiley. It's available from Canon Press. And also check out uh, Man of the House and The Purloined Boy. We didn't, I didn't give you much opportunity to talk about that one because we were focused on, on your, your books about the household. But do you want to briefly give a, 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 an elevator speech about The Purloined Boy? Sure.
3: I guess you could say that it's a mashup of uh, the Republic, Plato's Republic, and R.L. Stein. You know, and <laughs> <Okay. laughs> maybe people wouldn't remember RL sign, but basically uh, it's a it's kind of a dystopian kind of kind of thing. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I was actually interviewed uh, when it originally came out by a woman who uh, uh, has a uh, an institute at the uh, University of Washington on its philosophical sort of uh, undertones. So I taught philosophy for about a decade at the college level. So I'm, I can never get away from it. So it's, right. it kind of works <laughs> itself out into that. But it was a lot of fun. And the second book in the series uh, is something I'll pick up on uh, pretty soon. I've got have got a third book in my household trilogy, you could say, that I'm just wrapping up. And when that's done, I'll get back to the young adult stuff.
2: All right. Excellent. So uh, any, any idea when that third book is coming out? Well, it's a... It,
3: I guess you could say it's a pretty weird way to finish the trilogy. It's uh, entitled uh, "In the House of Tom Bombadil," and oh. it's uh, and it's a it's an it's an my sort of uh, sort of reading of Bombadil as uh, Tolkien's understanding of the exercise of dominion, and um, oh, wow. it's Bombadil is sort of the personification of. of of just dominion as opposed to domination was personified by Saran and Saruman. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Tolkien estate thought I, I, I was too liberal with my quotations. So they, they (laughs) sent it back (laughs) and they said, said, you know, summarize this, don't just don't uh, quote so much. So I'm I'm reworking it right now, but hopefully it'll be out this summer.
2: Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we ended on that note because I I think the, Cersei audience is probably just your target audience for this <laughs> book. So, all right, everyone. So look out for the books that we've already talked about, Man of the House, Household and the War for the Cosmos, The Perloin Boy, and then keep an eye out for book three in the Household series about Tom Bombadil. That's, that's wonderful. Thanks again, um, Christopher, for joining me on this episode. It's been great talking with you. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Uh, until next time, this is your host Brian Phillips signing off? Thanks for joining me on the Way to Fatherhood podcast. Hold
0: up.